rose with greenish skin. So close your eyes and you will find that you've arrived in Frankenstein. Perhaps the Count will find a way to make his monster work today. Solves this monster mania. He can return to Transylvania. So welcome where the sun won't shine to the castle of Count Frightenstein. In the three channel universe, most Canadian kids in the 1970s grew up in. Hilarious House of Frightenstein was a weekend morning staple. From its wacky pacing to the lyrical monologues of the legendary Vincent Price and memorable characters like the Count, Igor, and Griselda the Ghastly Gourmet, the CHCH Hamilton series, shot over just nine months in 1971, has established a cult following. This week, the show celebrated its 50th anniversary, marked by the debut of new preschool adaptation, Happy House of Frankenstein, the first in a series of spin-offs in the works from Head Spinner Productions. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we talk to Head Spinners Michelle Melanson and Ken Cooperis on licensing a Canadian pop culture institution. Hi, this is Ken Cooperis. Uh, I'm a showrunner and executive producer and co-president of Headspinner Productions. I've uh, been the showrunner on shows like Hudson and Rex, uh, The Stanley Dynamic, which is a multi-camera sitcom I also co-created. Uh, worked on several series of multicams, Mr. Young as well. Started my career in animation, so I have a very large animation uh, library of titles I've worked on. Most recently, I've been working in uh, drama, starting with Stargate, which uh, Stargate Atlantis, which I was on uh, for a season, and also uh, shows like The Listener and Carter and Frankie Drake. <laughs> I can't even remember them all. Hi, I'm Michelle Melanson, and I'm the co-president of Headspinner Productions and executive producer on all our shows. Um, this is my 30th year in the business, uh, where I started out in the kids and family space uh, on shows like Shawnee Time Station with George Carlin and many other great kid shows uh, like Growling Marsh and Zaboomafu with the Krat Brothers. I then went on to be a producer and then supervising producer at Nelvana on shows like My Dad the Rockstar, Jacob Tutu, Rescue Heroes, George Shrinks, Berenstain Bears, and lots of others. And then was vice president and then president of Radical Sheep where we produced such shows as Stella and Sam, The Yup Yups, Bagel and Becky Show, and Fangbone. And then recently, three years ago, Ken and I started Headspinner Productions, where we've been currently producing the animated series Dennis and Me, and just launched our newest animated series, Happy House of Frankenstein. So let's talk about your respective histories with the hilarious House yes. of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. I assume you both grew up watching the show in the three-channel universe that we used to live in. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in Caledon, Ontario. So CHCH out of Hamilton was one of the few channels that came in uh, through our antenna at the time. 
Uh, ironically, my parents still have an antenna. <laughs> they still don't have cable there. But yeah, so I absolutely grew up with the show, watched it every morning, was spooked out by it like everyone else. But yes, in the three channel universe, it definitely was in our face all the time. And I absolutely adored it. And when Ken and I met, actually, we met in the sketch comedy world. Ken was a stand up and sketch comedian and I was new to sketch and uh, so I remember being very surprised because Ken is from Winnipeg and I didn't realize that it had such a reach hilarious house. So I'll let Ken tell his history. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, basically the same thing for me in Winnipeg. It would have been the late 70s for me. It played on Sunday mornings um, and it was absolutely the only thing on. So uh, I'm glad I liked it so much because we didn't have a lot of choice. Uh, but it was the go-to every Sunday uh, we would watch and, and, you know, because it was uh, with commercials and stuff, somehow the, the show was an hour and a half. So that always felt like, you know, it always felt kind of special that uh, we got to, I don't know what they put in there to make it longer, but uh, it was an hour, it was a 90 minute segment. So it was just so much fun to have something to watch for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. So what drove you to acquire the rights and how did those conversations unfold with the original producer, Mitch Markowitz? Well, it started... Um, Probably uh, six or seven years ago, uh, I was show running a, a show called The Stanley Dynamic. Uh, my partner on this, Sandy Joven Bevins, was uh, our acting coach on the show. And uh, I said to him one day, you know, a show that I would love to get my hands on is uh, The Hilarious House of Frankenstein." And he said to me, you're not going to believe this, but we've already been, me and a couple of partners have been trying to get it already for uh, a year. Um, and we haven't been able to because the two people who own the show... They have 50% investment each, they're brothers, and uh, at the time, they were estranged. So they were unable to sell the rights to the series. After that, I said to Sandy, listen, why don't we try again? Let's let's track, uh, his name is Mitch Markowitz, uh, and I said, let's track him down and, and just have a conversation with him. Uh, so we cold called him, he invited us to his house, he was incredibly lovely, gave us a tour of his entire house, his... Uh, he has a little museum and shrine to Hilarious House in his basement. You know, we spent five, six hours there. At, at the end of it, we kind of just had a great conversation about the show. And then he surprised us by saying, by the way, just in the last couple of weeks, my brother signed over all the rights to me. I now have 100% of the rights. And then the best part was Ken and I had been talking about starting Head Spinner for quite some time. And we thought it would be a really great opportunity to get the rights and kick off our company that way. So following up that dinner, um, we went back and had another dinner and also invited him and his wife to our house for dinner and really sort of built that relationship up so that I could come in on the business side and we could really talk about who we were as producers and how much we cared about the property and you know, we built that relationship and Mitch trusted us. And then once he had the rights as well, um, it worked out amazingly well. So Sandy became our partner and um, it's a head spinner production and we were able to option the rights. And that was about three years ago. Right. Right. A lot of fans of the show consider this to be, you know, one of the holy grails of Canadian pop culture. How do you proceed to adapt something that has such a cult following? I think for us, what it comes from is that we're fans as well. You know, we understand what it is that people love about the show and what, you know, we're not here to break it down and completely offer something, you know, uh, uh, new. 
we we know the heart of the characters we know the heart of the show and so i think on that level we intuitively know what you know the the fans want to see and you know obviously this is slightly different from the uh, hilarious house which we're still actually um pitching and looking to reboot the live action as well but uh, we decided to start with the, with the preschool show because, you know, that's what we do well. And and those characters are perfect when you uh, reduce them to their essence. They're perfect for preschool characters. And, uh, you know, we knew that it was just as important to bring a new fan base on board as it was to maintain the, the you know, the respect of the old fans as well. Yeah, and we, we absolutely love the show, but we also, you know, had to respect the fact that there's great characters there and there's great situations there and and the idea of this wacky monster family that all live in the castle but we knew that there needed to be things that had to change as well you know there is cultural appropriation in the original show 50 years ago that was not acceptable to us and obviously we needed to make sure that we had actual female characters and we had diversity and inclusion in our cast so but the characters the essence of the characters are so fun and the situation of these monsters living in the castle is really what, um, at the heart of it, appealed to us to reboot. So there are a lot of familiar characters in Happy House of Frightenstein, but a departure from the show in a lot of ways because they're reimagined as kids. But I also feel there's way more of a cohesive storyline in these episodes than any (laughs) hilarious House of Frightenstein offering. That's true. And, you know, we're... We're also developing, like I mentioned, the live action Hilarious House. And that that's a little bit more like the uh, like the original in that it's more segmented, more uh, random and, uh, and, and silly in that original way. People talking directly to camera. So our live action vision is is more in line with that while still updated. This does have more of a narrative to it as we're as we're trying to tell those stories for younger kids. Yeah, we just thought it'd be really fun to imagine them as littles and that they play in the play castle behind the castle um, and that Gronk is their caregiver and overseeing what they're up to, but really just letting them learn and play, but also keeping the essence of eventually those personalities would grow up into the characters that we know. In our live action version that we're developing, um, it's much more of a multiple generations later idea in the fact that, you know, we're now hundreds of years later and these characters are all living in the castle, but of course castles are very expensive and they can't afford it. So they've had to open it up to the public. And um, that's sort of the idea behind that, which we, we, we were in development with CBC for two years, developed the live action. We're able to shoot a mini pilot before COVID. And then when COVID hit, it just became a bit more challenging to find pre-sales, but we're putting it back out there as well. But uh, excitingly, we were able to get the funding and support behind the animated version. And, and so we were able to produce that over the last year. With the live action series, I guess, what's your approach? Are you going to try and capture, you know, the wackiness of the original series? In a lot of ways, it kind of was not appropriate all the time for the audience that it was targeted to, will the new show be targeted to kids or will it have a broader audience? Yeah, it's definitely targeted to kids with the, with, with the, you know, uh, hope to have a co-viewing audience, but we're, uh, you know, certainly it's an updated take. Obviously broadcaster standards and practices are different today than they were then. So 
there won't be any anything that would be deemed appropriate inappropriate for that audience but it will still have the feel of uh something like strange and random a little off center like it really feels more like a collection of uh youtube clips or social media clips um kind of packaged together within a a, a slight narrative so we we call it a hybrid show uh of half sitcom half sketch because of the kind of the way it, it feels but obviously there are characters that won't appear that were in the original. For example, the Oracle will not appear in, in our live action version. We will have different actors playing each character. We cast um, some really great comedians, uh, Peter Oldring as the Count, Marty Adams, who plays a dead on ringer for Igor. Yeah. Um, and we added two characters, actually. Um, we created two kid characters. So the Count has two children, a mummy and a banshee. So we added a couple of kids, so it gives that sitcom feel. And then, of course, Griselda um, and Wolfie make an appearance. But now Wolfie is a female dancer, teen DJ. Um, so there's a lot of fun. We refreshed it, but kept it um, yeah. as though it's the next generation. But again, took out everything that is deemed inappropriate and also that we felt needed refreshing. I feel for a lot of Canadian kids, the hilarious house of Frightenstein is like this weird cultural touchstone that, that binds, you know, a certain generation together culturally as a purveyor of kids content. Do you think young Canadians growing up now in our streaming universe are going to have that same experience in having like a distinct reference unique to them i mean that's a little tricky because we don't really know but our own kids we certainly see leaning towards uh moving away from traditional uh tv towards the short the shorter form stuff mm -hmm. which is why we were so excited to do the short form of happy house to get started because hopefully you know that will bring them to the longer form or the the shorter form if it should and when it should move to broadcast tv but one of the biggest issues obviously that we're all facing as canadian producers is discoverability there's so much content and so much option and so many platforms for so much content to be available i mean taking us back to we were right like the three channel universe as we were growing up uh is now the million a uh, channel universe. And even with our own kids, uh, major fans of anime and watching it actually in Japanese, where Ken and I both started our animation career, um, writing English dubs for um, Japanese anime in the 2000s. I mean, now the kids want to see it authentically in that language from that country. So we're hoping that the universal idea of monsters and fun and silliness, and we think that that's where Hilarious House stands out, is the randomness and silliness of it. And then we're hoping, you know, the Canadian and worldwide fans that are still around will love it enough to want to share it with their children and grandchildren. That's always been our goal. And one of our major goal in putting these out is we hope that it spawns a little bit of nostalgia amongst those of us who grew up and loved it so much. So Hilarious House of Frightenstein is available on Crave, but where can people check out Happy House of Frightenstein? Yeah, so right now Happy House of Frightenstein launched on Marble Kids YouTube channel. We're happily supported by the Shaw Rocket Fund and the Canada Media Fund in a digital first uh, animation initiative funding. Uh, so right now it's on the Marble Kids YouTube channel. But we're excited that Distribution 360 
has picked us up and uh, very, very soon we're going to be able to announce our Canadian broadcast partner. Uh, so for Halloween, the show will be available on a major Canadian <laughs> platform, which we can soon announce and we'll follow up with you, as well as it's being taken out to the rest of the world for worldwide sales. But right now it's available to the whole world on Marble Kids YouTube. Great. Are there any thoughts either of you want to close on? You know, just to express our excitement about uh, the possibility of not just the show, but the franchise. And, and you know, we're really excited to be the caretakers of, uh, of this uh, great franchise that you know Mitch Markowitz has entrusted us with and like I said before we're fans and we're going to do our very best to you know branch out as much as possible with the franchise and and really do as much as we can with it yeah we're really proud of what we've achieved especially during a difficult period of of producing through COVID so I'm really proud that we have partners and investors that are coming along for the ride with us and have trusted us with it thank you both so much for joining us thank you thank you Connie. thank you for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Alison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.